Good morning. Um, hey. Uh, thanks for that introduction, Justin. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is David Smith, and I do work with the high school youth here at New Community. Um, and I'm really excited to share with you our Summer Stories series. That is a tongue twister for me. I practice that. Summer Stories series, very S-y. Um, but Justin already had you guys shake hands with one another. I have something else. I want you to play a game of rock, paper, scissors with someone next to you. Loser buys lunch. Go ahead. Rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> now that we have our lunch plan settled up, um, I want to pray for us before we start, okay? So if you will, bow your heads with me. Um, Jesus, thank you for bringing us to this place this morning. Thank you for the ability to meet. Um, I know that we all come here with different needs, different desires, um, different things going on in our lives. And I, I pray, Lord, that in this place we would be free to experience you fully. We'd be free to have our focus on you. Um, we ask you to center our hearts on what you have for us. Um, and God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing to you in this place. It's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Um, so by a show of hands, who has seen TV infomercials? Let me see your hands. TV infomercials. Okay, you know, when it's late at night or early in the morning, there's nothing on TV, the paid programming, you know, you have someone trying to sell you their piece of junk for the low price of three easy payments of $19.27, and you know, everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about, right? Um, we don't know how we land on these channels, but we do, and weirdly enough, I actually find infomercials kind of satisfying. It's kind of weird. Um, I don't know, like sort of paid acting, the way they use them, I'm like, is that product really as good as they make it, or have they just had so much practice using that that it just looks good? But um, there was this one infomercial. They're going to put it up on the screen for me. Uh, there's this one infomercial for this thing called the Miracle Blade Perfection Series. And this guy, Chef Tony, with the not creepy mustache, he would do all these different kinds of cuts with these knives. These knives were supposed to be indestructible. And he would do things like, cut a boot and saw a piece of steel or cut a brick. And then he'd be like, but watch, here's a watermelon. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. I'm, I think I am just too easily satisfied, but I just thought that that was kind of cool. And uh, when, I, when I get my first apartment here in Buchanan, uh, my buddy John Prentice was like, I'm going to get David the Miracle Blades because he's weird and I, he asked for those. So... He got me those, and one of the claims that Chef Tony up there, um, <laughs> one of his claims was you could just put like a pineapple or a watermelon and just flick of the wrist, cut it. And I was like, I'm, I'm definitely going to try that. So the first thing I did, me, John, Jason said he wasn't there. I'm pretty sure you were there. Just go with it. Um, <laughs> we, that's what get college guys do on the weekends. We get pineapples and we test out sharp knives. Um, so that's the first thing I did. And 
It worked the first service, so I'm praying for good luck this service. And Justin told me there's no insurance for me if I chop my hand off. So, you always think with infomercials, right? Like, is that, is that really as good as advertised, right? So I was like, man, I'm, I'm going to see if Chef Tony's blowing smoke or if this thing's the real deal. So naturally, here's what we do. This is the part I'm the most nervous about during the service. So, please, Lord. Now, I know to most of you guys, that's like pretty underwhelming. But to me, that is like the coolest thing in the world. So there's another pineapple up here. If anyone wants to try after the service, uh, you do not have insurance with the church either, just to say that. So thank you. Um, yeah. Um, and the reason why I show you the miracle blade is... I want to I talk today about um, our experience with God and how we're made to experience things firsthand, right? So obviously, that was exhilarating for everyone, I know, <laughs> seeing that fruit get cut, because it's firsthand, and me doing it, I'm just like, man, I feel, I feel powerful right there. But it jump, the infomercial doesn't do it justice, because I'm not the one doing it, right? And that's just like our relationship with God in the sense that is God as good as advertised in our lives? So I, re I really want to just offer up a couple of thoughts to, to you today, some practical things on our experience with God and ways that we can pursue him, okay? So uh, the first verse I want to look at, um, I've been meditating on this verse during the summer, and God, God just keeps, keeps the same, I'm sorry, God just brings this verse back to me over and over. It says in Psalm 34, 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And that's really short, but um, the Lord just keeps bringing that back to me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, and I didn't mean to be punny with like the pineapple and like tasting. I really do like pineapple, but I just wanted you to see that it actually works. Um, but a little bit about me. So I've been following the Lord with my whole heart for seven years. Um, going into my senior year of high school is the first time I, I truly gave my life to the Lord. And I remember that first time that I did and tasting and seeing the goodness of God and his mercy and his grace and not just like appreciating it, but truly feeling them in my life and realizing that God could love someone like me that unconditionally. I didn't have to do anything. I just had to accept it. I had to give him my need. And not only that, that Jesus died for me. But that's truly good news, you know, and, and, and praise God for that, that. That is the good news that's offered to us. But that's my experience. I remember that first time. And um, I believe that we all have these spiritual highs in our life, moments where we're able to experience God in different ways um, and taste his goodness. And we usually call these in church world like mountaintop experiences, right? I'm on, I'm on the mountain or hand of God moments. Um, and just like I was able to see firsthand the miracle blade because I did it myself, that's what God calls us to, to see the power, the love, the transforming nature of himself. And he doesn't want us to just appreciate him from a distance. He wants us to experience the real deal. He doesn't want us to just appreciate him or, or recognize him as a good teacher. He says, I have something for you, and it's worthwhile to pursue me. Um, 
And this is a continual call. I, I, I truly believe that today this is for everyone. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It doesn't matter if you're here and maybe you're just checking out what it means to follow Jesus or if recently you've decided to follow Christ or maybe you've been following the Lord way, way longer than I have. Um, God is inviting us to not just experience the mountaintops, not just experience the hand of God moments. He wants this to be something that we are able to have all the time. And he, he invites us in to taste and see that he's good and that what he, what, he, what he has in store for those who love him is far greater in this life and the next than anything we could do on our own. Okay, so there's the basis. Um, Luke 9.23, it says, And Jesus said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross or her cross, and follow me. So here we see we're called to pursue Christ. We're called to pursue God and experience him on a daily basis. He is longing for us to pursue him on a daily basis. And there's an exchanging here. By daily choosing to deny ourselves and our desires, we're able to see Jesus more clearly and to see his goodness. Okay? So I want to share a story with you. Um, I'm sorry, a passage from a book I've been reading. And I am a super, super slow reader. Um, I got this book two years ago, and I'm still reading it. So that's just how I read. I get a book, read a part of it, and I start a different one, start a different one. And then, yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. But uh, I started this book a while ago. It's called A Kneeling Christian. And really, I got this book because uh, someone in our region was like, oh, everyone needs to buy a book on prayer and have it done by the end of the year. And I was like, I, this isn't the second year, and it's still not done. But I can sum it up. I can spark notes it, maybe. But um, the book focuses on prayer. It's written in the early to mid-1900s, and um, what's interesting about this book is the author remains anonymous. It says, by an unknown Christian. But um, I just want to share this, this short passage in here for you, so bear with me. It says, some 20 years ago, the writer was studying in a theological college. Early one morning, a fellow student, who is today one of England's foremost missionaries, burst into the room holding an open Bible. Although he was preparing for holy orders, he was only a young convert at the time. Popular, clever, and athletic, he had already won a place among the smart set of his college when Christ claimed him. He accepted the Lord Jesus as his personal savior and became a very keen follower of his master. The Bible was comparatively a new book to him, and as a result, he was constantly making discoveries. On that memorable day on which he invaded my quietude, he cried excitedly, his face aglow with mingled joy and surprise. Do you believe this? Is it really true? Believe what? I asked, glancing at the open Bible with astonishment. Why this? And he read in eager tones, Matthew 21, 21 through 22. If you have faith and do not doubt, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Do you believe it? Is it true? Yes, I replied with much surprise at his excitement. Of course it's true. Of course I believe it. Yet all manner of thoughts flashed through my mind. Well, that's a very wonderful promise, he said. It seems to me to be absolutely limitless. Why don't we pray more? He goes on to say, the author says, I've, I had never looked at those verses that way. Indeed, it is a limitless promise, and yet how little I and we claim from Christ. Um, I remember reading that for the first time in just as the author felt convicted, I felt convicted as well. Um, 
And here's what I mean. I thought to myself how, glancing over a verse like this, how, how easy it is for me to believe certain things just because I'm a Christian or just because I label myself a Christian, even if I haven't given it much thought or even if I can't back it up by the way I'm living my life. So something like God opening this wonderful promise to me. If, if you have faith and do not doubt, ask whatever you want in prayer in my name. Receive it if you have faith. How something like that, I can quickly just glance over it. And have we truly experienced, have we truly experienced the Lord and his word in a way where promises like these seem wonderful and limitless? And I, I think I have, to, I have to be honest with myself and say that, no, like that's not the truth for me all the time. And how quickly it is to just say, yeah, I've heard, I've heard that. I know that Bible passage. John 16 says it another way, and it'll be up on the screen. John 16 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be made full. That is, that is great news for us. That is great news for the believer. That we can approach God himself because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us, because he died for us. We have boldness and confidence. And I just think about how many times I've just, I've just read over things like that, and I, and I don't claim it. The author says, this is what I claim, but I don't claim from Christ. And, 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 I, and I believe like conviction has entered my heart. What's cool about this is six times in the book of John, just like we just saw, six times before going to the cross, Jesus makes these statements and these commands and these promises. Ask whatever you want in my name to the Father and I will give it to you if you have faith. Six times to his disciples. And he's never laid as much stress on any promise or command as these. And he's trying to show us that not just the disciples, like he's going away. He's about to be crucified. And he says, even though I'm not with you, I want you to be able to ask for me. I'm not leaving you alone. And just like us, even though we function on faith, right, for things to come, you're not left alone. You can experience me, you can experience me when you pursue me. God wants our prayers. We cannot do what we were designed to do without it and without, experience, without experiencing him, without relying on him. And here's, here's a really hard question. So when we read, even when I read that, I'm sure it's easy for some of us to just brush right over it. But why do, why do we ignore it? That's a, I think that's, that's a really hard question for today. Why, why do we ignore these commands? And here's a couple thoughts before I jump into our next passage. Um, I, think, I think we're really good at appreciating these things from God. I think, we're, I think we appreciate hearing how much God has made himself available to us. I think we appreciate how much God has done for us, that he died for us, that he says, you can pray to me anything you want. But we don't always take a hold of it. We just use it at our convenience. And I know this from personal experience. We can live as very convicted people. I think the church in general is very convicted. We know things we shouldn't do. We know we should be better people. We know we should live a life that's pleasing to God. But do we or will we put that into action or put action behind it. I think, I think that's the second is the harder. Um, if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to James 4. It's going to be up on the screen for us, but if you have a Bible and you want to turn to James 4, um, 
This will give us just a little bit more in terms of, you know, when we're experiencing God, what limits us? What limits us from experiencing God and even in our prayer life? Um, starting in verse 3, it says, James 4, 3 through 10, you do not have because you do not ask. You do not ask and do not receive. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend, to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that Scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to, to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So I just want to take five practical things straight from the scripture. These are straight from, from the story. It says, number one, as straightforward as it can be, we do not have because we do not ask. Most of the time, we might not see a need. So we don't have a need for God to show up in a situation or we, we know what we want. We rely on ourselves. So we don't see a need for God, so we don't ask. So God is, James makes it clear, we don't have because we don't ask. So the first thing, we need to understand our need for God. You know, do we really need him? Two, it says, not only do we not ask sometimes, but we do not, we do not receive because we ask wrongly. Um, it says, it, it calls it friendship with the world, which can also be our selfish desires. So does our will, does our heart, does our, do our prayers align with what God would have us ask for? Does it align with what God has? Um, we don't know how to ask. You know, it's just like a little kid, you know, like, what do you want? What do you want? Ask. It's like, that, that's really humbling for an adult, you know? Like, Jesus calls it childlike faith. We don't know how to ask, and he's waiting for us to ask. Don't, don't miss this next part. It says, straight from the scripture, he yearns over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. So I believe this, straight from Genesis, God has made each of us as an image bearer of him. He's made us in his image. We are all image bearers of God. And he, 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 did, he didn't make us robots. We can choose to follow God. We can choose to pursue God. Or we can choose to not pursue him. That's the beautiful thing. God has made us for a purpose, but he doesn't force us to do anything. I believe that God has made a hole inside of each of us, a God-sized hole that can only be filled by him. And we can choose to fill that with drugs, money, alcohol, sex, pleasures, anything else, popularity, anything we want to. But at the end of the day, we're going to be left dry. We're going to be left unsatisfied. And God, it says God is jealous. God is jealous for you, jealous for your time. You know, I, I think that's so attractive. If my fiance, told, if she was like, man, I'm jealous for you. I want to be with you. Right, babe? <laughs> yeah. But, man, just to know, like, that's how God feels. That's how God feels about you. He's jealous of the time. He's jealous of your time. 
that you would actually spend time with him, that you would actually pursue him, that you wouldn't just appreciate him. You know, I can't even imagine if, if I never spent time with Tori, I wouldn't get anything. Um, <laughs> uh, next point. No more, I swear. Uh, it says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Um, not only has God opened the door for us to experience him and for everyone to have an equal share in his kingdom through Jesus dying for us and forgiving us of our sins, he says, man, that's open to anyone. But also this, even if you've accepted that in your life, he says, draw near to me. You want more of me? Draw near, and I, I will meet you. I will meet you. So I, I don't want us to just hear that as like, man, yeah, God's opened the door for all of us to accept him and be in relationship with him and go to heaven one day. It's not just that. He said, draw near, and I will draw near. It doesn't matter where we are in our walk. When we choose to pursue God through obedience, he promises to come closer and closer and closer and closer. Um, the last point here, it says, humble yourself and you will be exalted. We have to put ourselves in a position to say, are the things in my life pleasing to God? Is the way that I'm pursuing God the way he would have me pursue him? Have I honestly given God a fair shot? Is he as good as advertised in my life? And not only that, it says humble yourself and he will exalt you. By humbling ourselves, that's our reward. We have a reward, a sure reward. And what I appreciate about James's, James's passage here and these points are, these are all action phrases. I already said to you, like, not that, just, not that we would just be convicted by God and say, yeah, man, I know I, I, know, I know I need to be better. I know I need to do more. I know I need to not be like this, but like that we would actually be people that do. Like he's not saying this so we can just be like, yeah, that's true, true. He says like, you don't have because you don't ask. So ask. You don't receive because you ask wrongly. Don't ask wrongly. Like get to know God. Understand that God is jealous. God wants you. God desires to fill the areas of your life that only he can. Draw near. That's action. Humble yourself. That's an action. These are all actions. Um, I love the Psalms. Um, I just think like the writer of the Psalms had a really cool name. And David, and, and I love listening to David's heart, how raw the Psalms are. Um, and I love, I love all the qualities that are attributed to God. How David, he calls God all these things. And I just pulled a couple, five. Um, he calls God a healer, a comforter, a provider. He calls God his strength, his shield. And it just made me think, like, is God those things to me? Is God, like, are those qualities that I would attribute to God in my life? God wants to show himself as these things in our life. Um, he designed us in a way to where we are to experience him these ways. And not just appreciate him, but to actually experience. And here, here's, a hard, here's a hard truth, but... but, but it's true. Um, of all these attributes of God, take healer. God cannot be our healer if we don't need healing. He cannot be our healer if, if we are not in a position or if we don't want to be healed. Um, here's a quick example. So there's a guy um, by the pool at Bethesda uh, in, in the Gospels. And 
the lame, deaf, and blind, they would, they would sit by this pool, right? And every once in a while, the waters would be stirred, and they would rush to get to the water because they believed whoever got to the water first would be healed, right? And this guy, it says this guy had been there for 38 years in his condition. And, and Jesus walks by, and he says, do you, do you wish to be healed? It's like, um, like, that seems like a really obvious question, right? But Jesus wants to be our healer. He just wants us to want it. He wants us to, to know that we need it. So he can't be our healer if we don't need healed or we don't want healed. He cannot be our comforter if, if we're not uncomfortable, if we don't need comforted. He cannot be our shield if we're protecting ourselves, our own desires, our own needs, if we're holding ourselves up. He can't be those things to us. This is what, this is what um, God says to Paul. He says, Paul, when, actually, when, when you're weak, I am strong. And I know as a, as a guy, I struggle with this, you know. Even in our society, it's like, don't be too emotional. Be strong. You don't need to be healed. You don't need to suck it up. And I know I've struggled with that, especially being like an athlete. Jesus wants your heart. Jesus wants truth. And that's the perfect thing about it. This is not a show for anyone else. God just wants your heart. He wants us to humble ourselves and understand what, what is the true condition of our heart. So before I close here in just a minute, um, I just have a couple of questions that I would really like us to help so we can examine ourselves. okay? So as I'm reading these, just examine your heart and where you're at, okay? Um, When's the last time you asked God for something big? If God truly is the God who invites us to ask anything in his name, when's the last time we asked something big? When's the last time we've experienced that kind of God? When's the last time we asked something for big? When's the last time you felt God move in your life in an incredible way? Are you ready to receive what God has for you? When is the last time you felt God move in your life? Not just appreciated God, but you felt him move because of faithful obedience. And here's the last one. It goes back to the beginning. Have you truly tasted and seen that the Lord is good? The, today, yesterday, this past week, this past, past month, this past year. And that is not to downplay. That is not to downplay life. That is not to downplay things that, that happen and things that are sad and things that are, are just straight up hard. We all have our own stuff. Hear me say that. Have we tasted and seen that the Lord is good in any situation? Is our trust truly in him? And here's what I want. Um, I believe that we must answer these questions honestly and you don't have to worry about looking at anyone else. You don't have to worry about what anyone else thinks. This is just you and God. We must answer these questions honestly and observe the areas of our life that hold us back from truly experiencing God. Maybe it's that we haven't asked God or we haven't had to rely on God because we don't see a need sometimes. Maybe it's that we don't want to give up control. You know, what if I actually did give God full control? What would he do? Maybe that's it, or maybe, maybe this, is, this seems to be like a harder one, but is it that our sin might be holding us back? Is it that our sin clings close and hinders us? 
Maybe there's shame, guilt, brokenness, or it's hard to even pursue God because we don't have a right view of him. Maybe we're just ashamed to come before God. Grace is a hard thing to understand. I don't think that we'll truly ever understand it until we're with God, but could God really love me that much? Um, in Psalm 51, King David says this. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. He also says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. I remember the first time I gave my life to the Lord. And, and even in the story, the passage I shared from Anil and Christian, how the guy asked these questions, man, that's such a wonderful promise. It's so limitless that we would experience that faith, that we, we, we don't just brush over the word of God. We don't just brush over God's promises, but man, God actually wants my good. He's not, he's not an infomercial where he has to get paid actors to be like, man, hopefully they don't figure out this is a piece of junk. He's like, this is the real deal. I've made you in my image. Let me fill you. Spend time with me. So I want to give us a chance to reflect on where we are. You know, maybe we have been experiencing the Lord. Amen. I just know too many times it's like we're stuck in these moments where we feel comfortable with where we're at with God. Or maybe there's things in the way and we just need to confront them. Um, I want to give us a chance to reflect on the true nature of where we are, the condition of our hearts. Um, I want to read Psalm 51. I read two verses, but I want to read Psalm 51 in its entirety for us. Um, but right now, I want, to, I want us to close our eyes and reflect. I'm going to give us a minute um, to do that, and then I'll, I'll read this psalm for us, okay? So will you pray with me? on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways that sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do 
Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. So my prayer is this for us today. If nothing else, God is waiting for you to experience him in a new way. No matter where you are in this walk, he desires to answer our questions. He desires for us to experience him fully, to know that he is as good as advertised in our lives. God is waiting. He loves you relentlessly. He has made you for his glory. I pray for us today as we walk out this place.